Good evening. Today is August 17th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter and the readings are the relationship chapters. And our speaker tonight is Tammy M. from Memphis. Thank you, Tammy. Take it away. Very good. Thank you all so much. My name is Tammy. I am a compulsive overeater, and it is an honor to be with you and, and to be of service tonight. Um, first thing I want to say is thank you so much for this closed captioning that you guys have for the meeting. As somebody who's hearing impaired, when I first came in and saw that as an option, I, I was absolutely wowed. And I forgot my um, headphones that I usually wear. And so it's really lovely that I can actually read it, although hopefully I won't read my own, my own speaking as I'm talking. So if you see me squinch my eyes, that's probably what I'm doing. So the chapter that I was kind of going over today is the 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 two wives, and it's um it's one of my it's one of my favorite chapters. It's also one of my least favorite chapters, right? It's got that 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 duality for me. But on page one hundred four, it says, "As wives of alcoholics, we would like you to feel that we understand as perhaps few can. We want to analyze mistakes we have made. We want to leave you with the feeling that no situation is too difficult and no happiness too great to be overcome." And that's that's really important to me because um, my journey started when I was 11 years old. Um, I was an Al-Anon and I started um, as an Alateen. Um, and uh, then I spent many, many years in Al-Anon. And so having grown up in a home that uh, was, uh, the best way to say it would be chaotic, um, the 12 steps for me were foundational pieces. Uh, the the it's more of a foundation of how I live my life. If ever I was struggling or didn't know how to do something, I could read the index. There's not a problem or a situation in my life that I have not found in these steps, the traditions and the concepts. The concepts actually have been incredibly powerful in my life. But this particular part is right in every single Al-Anon meeting at the closing. Um, it's part of the piece that they bring where they talk about the, the warmth that we have in our hearts may not show the the, the warmth we have, we may not be able to show. I can't say it exactly right now, um, but it's it's just a really beautiful, beautiful way of, of really sitting down and listening because there is this piece that kind of brings us together. And even though we're in this meeting and we're in this meeting as addicts, there are many, many of us that, um, that also have other addicts in our families as well. And having this piece, one, teaches us how to have compassion for each other, but also to have compassion sometimes for the addict, which is also what gives compassion to us as we do our, our journey in, into recovery. Um, I'm in the middle of moving and um, moving is chaotic. Moving is really hard. Well, I'm also married to an addict um, who is not in recovery and it has been very challenging um, at best. And to be honest with you, because of the things that happen in this chapter, I've, I've really been, thank God for sponsors and for recovery. I do not know how it would have gotten through the last few weeks. Three weeks ago in the my son was riding his bike and flipped over um, and broke his nose, broke his eye socket and uh, had a concussion and ended up in a trauma center. So add that to two parents who are addicts and it's just been absolute insanity. But that said, I have recovery. I have a sponsor. I have people that I was texting 
from the ER. So while I'm sitting in the ER and all of those things are going on, I'm sitting there thinking, who, who can I text? Who can I reach out to? I'm in a, another meeting that is an international fellowship. And um, it's great because people are awake 24 hours a day. So if they're asleep in this country, there's somebody across the pond who's awake that I can outreach. When my daughter got drunk and put herself in the hospital a couple of years ago, I was able to call somebody and I was able I was able to reach out and I called, I didn't call Al-Anon people, I called OA people. I called people who knew what it was, um, who could really sit down and talk to me and let me know that it was okay to help because it's, it is, it is the food. It is getting abstinent from the food, but there are many speakers and many people who say, you know, the alcohol, the food, that's the easy part. It's learning how to live because I have a living disorder. I don't know how to build relationships. I don't know how to, um, how to live life day to day. I, I don't know how to do that. And if left to my own devices, I'm back in the food, right? I'm back into, um, I'm back into doing um, all the stuff I was doing. I was a, I was a car eater is the way that I define myself. I would go through, I'd often enroll my kids and, but a lot of times I'd drive through the drive-thru, pull off, I'd sit in the parking lot and eat. And then I had all my, I'm a super health nut mom. So my kids didn't know what I was doing. And then I would spray my essential oils and air it out and drive on. And um, one time my daughter found a receipt from one of the places I had gone and I, I, I bit her head off. So I wasn't hiding anything from anybody, but I wouldn't have become abstinent if it hadn't been for the pandemic. It was in the pandemic when all of a sudden I was going to have to tell somebody what I needed to do in order to get what I needed um, that brought me into this room. Um, so I went from, in my recovery journey, I went from Al-Anon um, into Essanon. And Essanon is for family members of, of sex addicts. My husband is a sex addict. Um, and that was when my eating really took off. Um, because I did not know how to cope with life. I did not know what to do. Um, I was scared. There were a lot of things came up and it just, it, the food issues were already there, but that's when, for me in my journey, that's when it really got out of control to the point that, um, well, I now know that's my coping skill. That's the point when I needed food to cope and I had no other coping mechanism other than having food. And so my, um, my desire is often still to go back into the food. Um, it, it, I don't know if it'll ever go away. And I've noticed, and one of some of the things I've had to be careful about is I'll do, instead of eating, I'll organize the pantry. I'll do some meal planning. But for me, it's also being aware that that's still kind of, you know, being in the food, something that's necessary. But what matters is what's my intention when I'm doing it? Am I doing it to hide? Am I doing it as a coping skill? Do I need to do some outreach? Do I need to call a fellow? Do I need to sit with some step work? Do I need to pick up my big book? Um, as it says on page 107, as animals on a treadmill, we've patiently and wearily climbed, falling back into exhaustion after each futile effort to reach solid ground. Um, and that's in relation to 
um, someone else is, you know, being the wife of an addict, trying to keep them sober and the things that we do. But it also is um, very indicative of what we do as addicts thinking, oh, I'm not going to do this again, right? So we feel it on this side as addicts, but then we've also been in relationships with a myriad of other people where we're thinking, you know, we've, we've, we've sat thinking, you know, why are they doing this again and again and again? And as we do our recovery, we can start to laugh as we see ourselves uh, in that in that journey. In the last few weeks, a lot of people have said, you know, like I've gotten a lot of comments about, you know, somebody called me yesterday and said, um, how are you keeping your serenity? And I said, uh, today I don't have any serenity. Today it's 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 absolutely it's not here. Um, and I'm okay with that. And realizing that as we do the serenity prayer, we would love to be able to be have serenity every day. But that's really not possible, is it, to have serenity every day? To be able to sit there, to be able to work on that. Um, as, as people, we have to work on, we have that, that, that step one piece, right? Which in OA is that piece on um, we're powerless over food. And, you know, the, the thing about food is, is you have, you have addictions, you have chemical addictions, which is, you know, alcohol and drugs and, and food, right? Then you have process addictions, which is, it's the disease of the mind, the obsession of the mind. That's also the part of the disease that makes it the family disease. That's what the family members have. It's also sex addiction. It's also gambling. It's also eating. So there's this piece within, within food addict programs where you have like the chemical addiction piece to the, the particular chemical, but you can also have this, this piece, which for me becomes the biggest piece in that is the eating. So yes, I have issues with a, a particular food product or so, but I also have an issue and that food is my coping skill and I have an addiction to eating. There's a process. So when something comes up for me, the first place that my brain is going to want to go is straight into food. Those are the things that that I'm going to want to turn to. Those are the things that I'm going to want to go to because that's that's what what I've learned over the years. That's where my brain goes. That's the first thought that comes up is um, is doing that. Um, so then, when we're in relationship with others, right? Sitting down, thinking, um, working with teenagers, right? I have teenagers. I think the majority of my program is actually worked in regard to my teenagers. Um, I have a 16-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. Um, and, you know, my daughter and I have definitely been uh, struggling in our relationship, which I think is really normal um, for her age. But um, really trying to sit with this thing. I love on page 116 where it says, Ask him what you should do if he places you in such a position again. And thinking about relationships, any relationship that I have, any relationship that I sit in, instead of showing up thinking I know the answer, instead of showing up thinking I know what it is, there's a lot of this where we hear a lot about staying on our, our side of the street, right? I can think about how things sit for me. I can think about how they feel for me. Um, but then also having this respectful relationship of asking someone, anyone, whether it be um, an addict in my family, how I would like someone to relate to me, how I relate to 
people in my community, right? Because that's that step 12, right? We do this in all of our affairs. Everything we do, we take this in all of our affairs. So we don't just do this in relationship to our alcoholic. We don't just do this. We carry this message in all of our affairs. So sitting with people and asking, you know, instead of showing up and, and taking over, which is addicts, we can, some of us may love to do, some of us may not, um, showing up and say, how can I help? How would you like for me to, to um, you know, how would you like for me to help? What can I do? Where would you like for me to sit? Um, how can I be of assistance? How can I be of service today? Even if I think you're doing it wrong, that doesn't mean that you are doing it wrong. It just means my ego wants to take over and tell you how you can do it better because I think I know better, but I may or may not know better. And if you ask my daughter, she will clearly tell you I do not know better. And, um, you know, she jokes that she's been raised by the big book often. And um, one of the things we were talking about today is so much of this language she's heard throughout her life. But for me to be able to look at her and say, how would you like for me to respond in this situation? Um, how would you like what in this situation next time? What would you have me do? What could we do in that? And it really changes this relationship that she and I have. And it's not easy. Dear Lord, it's not easy because she does some stupid stuff, right? So does my 13-year-old. If my 13-year-old was as brilliant as he thought he was, he wouldn't have had a broken face, right? So, um, but then also being like, how would you, how would you have me be? How would you like for me to do? Um, can really change the dynamic in our relationship so that that we can reach and have a, a more respectful, um, you know, a respectful situation there, which is really, um, really, really powerful. In the last couple of weeks, I've called my sponsor many times. My, um, while my son was recuperating from surgery in Memphis, we are in process of moving to Michigan. My husband and my daughter were in Michigan and it was hard because I was down there by myself. Um, and my husband was sending me pictures of himself at the beach and I didn't want to see them. I didn't want anything to do with them. And, um, I really would have rather he asked me how I was doing. Um, I wanted to tell micromanage his behavior. I wanted to tell him what he should be doing or how he needs to be doing it better. Um, but that's me playing his higher power. And he has a higher power and it's not me. And that's where page 118 comes in. This is getting serious. I'm sorry I got disturbed. Let's talk about it later. So when I want to get in and I want to start micromanaging someone or micromanaging their, and I mean, I'm going to be honest, I really like to, I, especially with my husband, I really like to tell him what to do. Um, I, I like to use Al-Anon language and hide behind a facade of what I need is this, but really I'm still trying to tell him what to do. Um, and so sometimes hanging up, taking a break, stepping away has been really, really important um, for me in this recovery um, journey that I've been doing. And that's where it comes into page 119. And that's when resentful thoughts come, try to pause and count your blessings. And that's been the, the most important sentence that I've been sitting with because I called my sponsor last week. I was hysterical. I was really upset with my husband. He had said something that was very unkind. And my sponsor said to me, you don't have space for resentment. I hear you. I hear where you want to go. I hear what you're thinking, but there's no space in recovery for resentment. 
because you're going to end up back in the food if you do. So then she gave me some activities. She gave me, you know, some things to think about. She gave me gratitude. She will, she has no fear of giving me, giving me assignments. Um, and then at the end, she said, it's not that I don't understand the position that you're in. I do. I've been there. I understand it. But as addicts, we cannot let the resentment take over because it will compromise our abstinence. And that, I was, that's 15. Five was left. That? Five left. Five minutes. Thank you. Um, that was just really powerful for me because nobody had ever said it to me in that way, that there was no space um, for resentment in my recovery. Uh, because before I came into OA, I had lots of space for or resentment. I could talk a really good program, but that didn't mean that I was actually living and walking the the program that I could sometimes speak to. to. Um, and that's that's really valuable, right? Um, because that's why that's why I'm here. That's why I'm sitting with all of you amazing people. Um, is because there's a gift of recovery that has been brought to me. It was, you know, I went in Al-Anon and Al-Anon took me to S-Anon and S-Anon I was working through, I could not complete my ninth step. And in that I said to my sponsor, I think I have to get real about my eating and what I'm doing to myself. And she put me in touch with someone who was an OA and that gift of OA that has been brought to me has been the, some of the deepest recovery work I've ever done has been some of the most amazing and powerful work. And it is really, um, I'm in, a, in the international meeting that I'm generally in, the relationships that I have formed in there are more intimate, more loving, more caring than any relationships I've ever had in my life. Um, I'm just over two years abstinent, um, which I'm not quite sure how, how I got there other than right one day at a time, just like the rest of us, right? We just started. There are moments that I want to throw my abstinence out the window on purpose, um, just so that I don't have to show up because I'm a trauma survivor. I want to hide. I want to isolate. I'm an addict. I want to go. And I, I have before called people and been like one bite, one bite, and I can get rid of all of this and I don't have to deal with any of this and I can go, I can go in my hidey hole. Right. But then it's like, then I have to admit it. Then I have to step down from my service. Then I have to call, you know then I have to, you know, take ownership of that. Some days, I, then I have to tell my sponsees and I have to take a break from my sponsees. I don't want to take a break from my sponsees. I love my sponsees. Then I have to admit to my sponsees what I've done, you know, like, oh, that's so much more work, right? And the whole purpose of taking the bite is to get out of the work. And with that, I would actually, you know, so it's kind of been this, this joke that I kind of run through because it actually creates more work for me. And, and some days it's the sponsees that have kept me, kept me abstinent, right? Um, getting up every morning and doing, you know, what that says, 86, 87 and 88, the big book, which is not the two wives part, but getting up every day. I drive my kids crazy because I wake up every morning. I do my meditation. I sit down at my table. I have my journal. I going through all the things for the day. And my kids are like, I'm not even awake yet. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to do this. And I'm like, that's fine. But if there's anything you want to add to what needs to be done, Now's the time when I'm writing out my to-do list. You can do this or you can do this at the end of the day when I am writing out, when I'm doing my 11th step, right? So when I'm going through and doing my nighttime inventory. Two minutes. Two right. minutes left. Thank you. Um, those are the two times. And so just bringing this, this two-wife section, as much as 
you know, Lois Wilson didn't write it. Who started Al-Anon? She didn't write it. Bill Wilson wrote it. Lois wanted to write it. Bill wouldn't let her. So some of the ways that things are written, some of the language really gets to me. It really bugs me sometimes, um, especially since it was written, supposed to be from the voice of a woman, but it was actually written by a man. That really annoys me. But if I can stop and I can get, um, I can get beyond that and I can get to the message and I can remember what this is, I can get to the recovery, I can get to those pieces, and I can remember there's no space for resentment in my life. This is one time, one day at a time, and there is love in this program, and it is that love and that feeling and that connection. That's what keeps me here, is knowing that when I walk in this room, you love me, and I don't have to do anything but show up, and knowing that I also have that responsibility that when you walk into the room, I love you too. And I love you because you're here. And that's all that you need to be. And I think I'm like getting really close to time. So I'll just stop right there. Tammy, thank you so much for your humble and honest sharing of your experience, strength, and hope. Thank you. We will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute and their three minute shares. Questions or three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guidance in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under the reactions, or star nine if you are on the phone. And the Zoom host will call, I will call the, um, raised hands in order as I see them. And we'll ask you to mute and mute, unmute when it's your turn. Um, would the timekeeper please set timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? And if the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the, for the answer. Okay, so Let's see, uh, the first person I see is Miss Francesca. Go ahead, Francesca. Thank you, Sally. Hi, everyone, I'm Francesca, grateful compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, thank you so much, Tammy, that was amazing. Uh, so many things that you said, just your vulnerability. And when you talked about how you wanna take one bite and the purpose of taking one bite would be to stop, and not have to do things, but then you'd have to do things. That is mind blowing because for me, that's like, yeah, like, oh, I can't, I can't be in life. So now I'm going to eat because I need to pause life. But it's like, actually now life is just way harder. Time keeps going. Like now it's so, and it's like, that was so gentle and simple. Um, and being able to be honest about those things and saying, you know, it might not go away and, and you're not sure. And you know, I, um, when I hear people talk about how like they've, they never have food thoughts, if that's their truth, like beautiful. It's just, I don't, um, that just feels daunting for me. And so it's just so, I'm so grateful to hear, you know, different, a survey of voices and, um, that, yeah, just this, um, it just was so beautiful to hear you show up. I'm um, just so loving. Um, and just on a personal note, I just love you so much. And, um, I can't believe it's, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. Anyways, um, thank you for, um, your beautiful share and for just being an example of how to, uh, grow and, um, when we're uncomfortable and, um, choose the pain and show up and I love you and I pass. 
Thanks, Francesca. And next up, we have Amalia. Go ahead, Amalia, go ahead and unmute. Hi, um, Amalia, Compulsive Overeater. Um, thank you so much for your share, Tammy. Um, I really appreciated hearing just your story and just like how vulnerable you were able to be in your share. And it was just really amazing. Um, I think I really appreciated what you were sharing about um, like your relationship with like your daughter and your children. Um, Cause like, so I came into program when I was 20. Um, so three years ago, and then about like a few months later, my mom came into program, but like so much of my issues were like related to my problems with my mom. Um, but I just thought my issue was the food cause I couldn't stop binging. Um, so it was just like amazing for like the, I, my mom always said like, not to be like, you know, talking about how I did such a good job or any, I don't know, basically I went to program and then like my mom saw me like start to not get better completely, but like start to get better emotionally. And that's like what convinced her to go to program. Um, and essentially like our relationship has improved. So like, it's insane. Um, and I guess just hearing about like your relationship with your daughter, um, and just like your experience, I think it's just amazing that you're like working program. Um, and that your like your daughter will like grow up with a mom who like is working the program and is like realizing your part and stuff. Cause I think that would have, my mom always is like, if I was in program when you were a teenager, it would have been so much better. Um, obviously I totally play a role cause I was binging then too. So <laughs> there's that too, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to really thank you for your share and, um, grateful to be here and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Amalia. And next up, we have Sarah. Go ahead, Sarah. Hi, Sarah, compulsive overeater. Um, Tammy, yeah, thank you so much just for your vulnerability and your honesty. I, um, I have 17 days abstinent and I am so grateful. I'm so grateful and I'm like, I feel very blessed. And like my, I came in through AA and this was like something I think I knew I was gonna have to address, but really didn't want to. And then now I'm like really starting to try and involve myself in this recovery. You know, my sponsor has requirements or suggestions that I do wanna take because it is like, I am I feel as though I'm in a place of surrender and I don't wanna miss the opportunity. But um, it's just so funny and I feel really grateful. It's that relationship with others I feel so like restless, irritable, and discontent. <laughs> um, even though I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful. I've never in my life have been this at like at this long abstinent. I'm 27. I don't think I haven't had sugar for this long ever. So I know that this is bigger than me. But um, it's that relationship with others and AA is great, but like you guys, <laughs> this is very centered on like fellowship and outreach. And I've been hiding, like, that is what I do. I did it in AA. Um, and it's hard. Um, and I'm so grateful, though, that I've been brought to a program where it's so emphasized. Um, because I am so not fun to be around right now. And I, 
I just, I'm so grateful though. And it's like how that you're like, we can't all, we can't be serene all the time. And I'm calling my sponsor and I'm like, I want to be serene, you know, but I'm in step one and all I'm seeing is my unmanageability and my over controlling nature and me being rude. Um, and like, not great to be around. I'm not showing up to work being like, how can I help you? I'm showing up being like, you need to go faster so we can get things done. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't want to be that, you know, I want to like have compassion and love, but I'm in the bathroom, like grinding my teeth being like, how can I be of love? Um, so I'm just, I'm in a place of gratitude, but a lot of uncomfortability. And I think the answer is just to not try and fix it, but to lean into it and to just stay in the fact that somehow I am abstinent and um, yeah, what can I be of service of? Because I still am so much in my own self. I'm very selfish still. I will like own that um, and not proudly, but yeah, like um, I'm very much in my own self and that doesn't fix anything because myself is the problem. Mine is where the disease is like having a party, right? Um, That's I'm just time. Like, for everything and thank you so much everybody and Tammy thank you again thank you Sarah okay Leslie it's your turn thank you my name is Leslie I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and very very happy to be here um, as always uh, Tammy thank you I I know that feeling of catharsis when you feel the the um, the uh, ability to say things that would make uh, regular people on the street run from you. And in a room like this, it brings us closer. So I really do appreciate that and understand it deeply. Um, I am, I'm saying this not because uh, this has anything to do with anybody else's abstinence, but I'm saying it out loud because I need to take ownership of it that uh, I'm uh, working with um, a new nutritionist and I've made a decision to, to go off a grain for the last two days, not because of anything anybody else has told me to do, but it just evolved yesterday and today. And I'm saying it out loud because it's so startling that I can feel so grounded and recovered and abstinent and joyful with my recovery. And then I take away something like this and it just takes me deeper and deeper and deeper into what this disease represents to me. So um, my feelings are on the surface of my skin and uh, I feel empowered and I feel vulnerable and I feel grateful. I'm all my feelings are like right under the surface of my skin, you know? <laughs> and so it's really a beautiful place to be again. Um, so I'm just sharing it because I'm joyful about it. I don't know how long I'm gonna do it, um, but this was the next indicated step, you know, to, uh, surrender more. Just, you know, an old timer came up to me when I was new and she poked me in the chest and she says, we grow or we go. 
And I was like, oh my God, what does that mean? You know, it's like, ah, but I really feel that's the process that I'm in. I'm growing because I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I want to be here with you guys forever. I love this group. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Leslie. Okay, next up is Nancy. Okay. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Nancy, Recovered Compulsive Eater Bulimic. So grateful to be here. Tammy, thank you so much. That was a wonderful lead. And um, I appreciate your, also appreciate your sharing your personal um, uh, journey in this regard. So um, related so much to the husband thing. Um, and I was thinking that, you know, I was, um, my, both my husband and I are in recovery in the, the parent program. And I was in that program a long, long time before I really got recovered and took away to get me um, to where I'm at today, to get me recovered and binge and purge free. And it's a miracle. Um, but I've always, um, up until recently, and this is progress in my recovery, uh, judged my husband's program. Um, really felt that I could tell him better how to work it than he did. Um, ju just judged everything he did and very critical. And I was just talking to a sponsee earlier today and she asked me to share with her some things that have changed for me um, in recovery. And that was one of them. I said, you know, instead of listening to my husband today so I can find something to chide him about or correct him about or whatever, um, that's gone. And I listened to him with love and engagement and curiosity. Never had that before. I'm not perfect, but um, it is so much better. So yes, this program does change lives. And as I change those around me, um, change and grow as well. And then the other thing you said, I wrote this down and I will keep this like in front of me. You don't have space for in recovery for resentment. And I've been fast, um, fostering a, a really solid recovery against my boss here lately. And uh, he's on my 10th step almost every day. At least he was this week. And that really sits me on my heels. It's like, I don't have, I don't have space for this. I, I cannot afford, big book tells me I cannot afford resentment. And to, and so I've been looking at these principles in this, um, in this chapter and how can I apply them to that relationship? You know, how can I have patience as it says, patience, tolerance, understanding, and love are the watchwords. My boss is my best friend's husband. And so he's a friend as well. So there's this conflicting inside of me, but you know, I always get good orderly direction when I go to the book and, um, and that's what I heard loud and clear tonight. So I don't have space in recovery for resentments. Thank you so much and I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, so we are now going to stop the recording for unrecorded questions and shares. So Amy, can you stop the recording?